Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our next perspective. One of the things I was discussing a couple of days ago with a friend of mine was the whole idea of stewardship, stewardship of basically money. But as you think about it and as you ponder, as I pondered this whole idea of stewardship, it occurred to me that stewardship is way more than just money. I mean, usually we think of it just in terms of dollars. You have churches that do a stewardship campaign, and what are they talking about? They're talking about raising money for a new building or a new addition or some new ministry. Colleges have stewardship departments that are there for fundraising to bring in the dollars so that this institution can continue going. Usually when the pastor preaches a series on stewardship, it's all about money. But I, as I pondered this whole idea on, on a couple of my walks, it occurred to me that there's a lot more than just money in terms of stewardship. Really, if you want to think about it, stewardship refers not only to the financial resources that God has given us, it refers to everything else he's given us as well. And as I thought about this, um, I wrote down five areas that I think we need to ponder when it comes to stewardship, if we're going to be good stewards of what God has given us. Because see, here's the thing. Someday, all of us as believers are going to stand before the Lord and give an account of ourselves. And one of the things that God is going to judge us on, or, and, and the idea of judge there is not like in a condemnatory sense. But one of our evaluation characteristics is going to be how well did we do with the opportunities that he's given us. You see this, by the way, in the parable of the Minas, the pounds in Luke. Christ talks about a man who went into our country to receive a kingdom and he called in ten servants, gave each of them a pound of money, which is a mina in the Greek, about a hundred days' wages. He said, I want you to go and do business with this till I come, and when I come back, I want to see how well you've done. What's the master trying to do? He's trying to determine which one of these guys, which one of these servants that I have are faithful. Which one can I trust to help me manage a kingdom if I get it? And he comes back and one servant says, here, your pounds gained 10. He says, awesome job. You get 10 cities. Another guy came in and says, here's your pound. I got five. Awesome job. Five cities. Another guy comes in and says, here's your pound back. I was afraid. I didn't do anything with it. At least I didn't lose it. The master was not happy with that guy. He said, you know, the least he could have done was give it to the money changers and I would have at least got a little bit of return on it. What's Christ trying to say? Um, he's going to receive a kingdom. When he comes back, he's going to call us his servants in. How'd you do? What'd you do with the talent, the treasure, the time, the energy? What'd you do with your opportunities? And we're going to be judged on that. We're going to be judged good or bad on how well we did. And so when you look at this whole thing here of stewardship, it has to do with how well did you manage the resources that God has given to you. And one of the ones I wrote down here, first of all, is our time. Each of us have a finite amount of time in our lives. None of us live forever. We like to think we do. Psychologists tell you the hardest thing for us to Imagine as us being in a casket. Most people don't think of it in those terms. 
Yet all of us have a finite period of time. I read the story account of a man, and I get the details mixed up, I'm sorry, but what he did is he uh, filled up a jar with marbles, one for every month that he had before he reached age 80. And every month he would take a marble out of this jar. One day he told his friends, you know, today I took out the last marble. I'm now on bonus time. How would we respond if God showed up and said, here's a, here's a time banking statement. Here's how much time you have left. What are you going to do with it? I was watching on the computer. I saw this interesting video clip of this movie, supposedly where this woman had the ability to look at somebody's arm and there was a little countdown clock on their arm showing how long they had to live. How many days, how many hours, minutes, seconds. We don't know how much time we have. None of us are guaranteed a tomorrow. But I think one of the things that we need to pay attention to in terms of stewardship is what are you doing with the time you have? Are you wasting it on endless pursuits? I know Christians that know more about video games and movies and the latest TV shows than they do about the Word of God. Is that a good expenditure of your time? To spend a lot of time on pursuit of pleasure, sports, things, is that a good use of your time? By the way, it's not wrong to watch a TV show, especially Star Trek. It's not wrong to go enjoy a baseball game or a football game or watch a hockey game. But if that's all you're doing, how are you using your time? Are you wasting time during the day? Are you doing things that you could you could do better? Are you spending time on things that you don't that have no eternal consequence value? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, one of the marks of the Spirit is redeeming the time because of the days are evil. We live in evil days. We, we look around us. None of us know how long we have. What are you doing with the time? See, here's the thing about time. You don't get more of it. It's not like a money where you can invest it in a bank and grow it. All of us have a finite period of time that God has allotted to us. You don't get more of that time. You can't invest in, and get a better return on it and increase your days. Christ said, which of you by worry can add one cubit to his lifespan? One, which of you by worrying can add any time to yourself? You can probably take time away, but you're not going to add time. Moses, Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We don't need to panic. See, sometimes when you see this, say, we go into this panic mode. I would suggest that we don't do things panicking, but we do things, do things with purpose, purposeful. It's okay to schedule a day off to go with your family to do something. But you don't want to live your entire life in leisure, completely oblivious to God. It's okay to enjoy a TV show, a baseball game, a football game, a vacation. 
But what are you doing with your time? Do you live with eternity's values in view? I remember an old song when I was growing up. Eternity's values in view. Someday all of us are going to step into eternity. And one of the things I think that we're going to be judged on and evaluated on at the judgment seat of Christ is what you do with the time I gave you. Did you invest it wisely? Did you do those things that have eternal consequence? Or did you just squander those opportunities? Which brings me to the second stewardship category, and that is opportunity. What are you doing with the opportunities for service that come your way? We all have those. One of the things I enjoy doing is teaching for Moody Bible Institute. I've been doing that for over, see, 93, so do the math. 93 to now, coming up on 20, well over, see, 93, 2013. Yeah, 27, 28 years I've been teaching. And um, every once in a while, you know, I get a call and, or an email saying, hey, well, how would you like to teach uh, this class that's coming term? And my immediate response is, yes. And people say, well, why don't did you need to pray about it? My, maybe, maybe God doesn't want you to teach that course. Maybe there's something else you should be doing. I said, well, if there's something else I should be doing, then maybe they wouldn't have asked me to teach it. But here's the thing. I have an opportunity. I look at my calendar. Do I have the time? Do I have the ability? Is this a class I can teach? I have the opportunity. I'm going for it. I'm not going to sit around and try to figure out if that's something that God wants me to do. I remember hearing somebody say about an old statue in Greece of a running figure. And on the front of the figure, there was a large lock of hair. And the back of the figure was bald. And I, of course, I'm going to get this all wrong, but part of the inscription was, who are you? He said, I'm opportunity. What is this with the long hair in the front? He says, so when I run by, people can grab me and hold on. Well, what's it about your bald backside? Well, if I'm, once I pass by, you can't catch me. Interesting. God sends opportunities our way, opportunities for service, opportunities to tell people about Christ, opportunities to advance the kingdom, maybe. And if we don't take advantage of those opportunities, sometimes they're forever lost. You see this a lot in the Old Testament. Like, For example, the Israelites came up to the promised land. God says, here's your opportunity to take the land. And they didn't do that. And in Judges, we read that God showed up, the angel of the Lord, and said, because you would not take the land, now you can't. Because you would not drive the inhabitants out, now you can't drive them out. We're not always given another opportunity. What are you doing with the opportunities that you get? Taking advantage of them? Not panic. Not panicky. But purposeful. Take advantage of the opportunities that God brings your way. And then that leads me into the third one here, which is, I call it your talent or your skill. What has God gifted you to do? How well are you doing that? How well are you using that? God has gifted me with the ability to teach and to relay biblical truth. I think he's given me a smattering of knowledge and wisdom. 
What am I doing with that? See, that doesn't benefit me necessarily. It benefits other people as I teach. That's what a spiritual gift is, by the way. The spiritual gift is not given for your benefit. It's for the benefit of others. What are you doing with it? If God's gifted you with the gift of helps, are you helping people? If God's gifted you with the gift of encouragement, are you encouraging people? What about the gift of giving? What about the gift of service? What about the gift of mercy and helps? What about the gift of teaching, preaching, evangelization? What are you doing with the talent that God's given you? I'm at the stage of life now where I'm told that I should be out playing golf and fishing, and which I hate fishing. I don't know why anybody wants to fish, but people like to fish. I should be taking it easy. I worked all my life. It's time to relax now. Enjoy life. Loaf. Well, I think it's a time for me to stop and enjoy life a little bit. But you know what? God's gifted me to teach and to help other people and to encourage people. And I think that's what he wants me to do. I have time to do that now. I have more time to do that. In fact, I'm going to do something interesting here. I'm going to see how this all works out, by the way. I have a video. Not a video. I have an audio clip of me talking about retirement back in 1999. I'd like to take a listen to it. I'd like to hear what I had to say back then because what I found fascinating when I heard this clip, by the way, this is from me um, digitizing a lot of my old teaching tapes. As I was digitizing, I was listening to them and I heard this clip and it was like, Wow, I said that. Um, and what was interesting is what I said in 1999 is the exact same thing I told people upon my own retirement, actually, this last year. Nothing had changed. So take a listen to this and hear what I had to say back then about retirement and opportunity and talent. Yeah, and it's it's easy it's easy to fill your mind up. And I someone said the devil will always let you do the good, just as long as you don't do the best. There are many things you can do. What should you do? What's the high impact areas that you can do? Um, not to um, uh, say anything bad about retirement, but there are people that look forward to retirement so they can sit around the house all day. To me, retirement means now I can do all of the things in ministry and for the Lord that I couldn't do because I had to earn a living. Now I don't have to do that anymore. Now I, now I can do some things that I really wanted to do. I don't have to worry about going to work every morning. That's retirement. It's not, it's not sitting back and coasting. And, you know, I, I've asked, I remember in this church, you know, talking to some of the older folks, well, we're over the hill. You know, they don't, we don't have anything to contribute to this church. We're over the hill. We're just coasting. What about all the years of wisdom that you've built up, seeing God work over the years? What about all of that that you can contribute? You know, we, we need to do the best, and we need to stop and think about what we're doing with our time. These people didn't. The idolaters, they're just living their lives. No one stops and thinks about what it is they're really doing.
I hope you thought found that interesting. I did, actually. It's almost like I told somebody today, I said, it's almost like I got in a time machine, went back, and told myself what to say. Because nothing changed much. I have the opportunity now in my retirement years to focus on ministry, to focus on teaching, and expand my teaching ministry, maybe expand the number of people I can reach, and pay more attention to that. I don't have to work now for a living. God's gifted me that way, so I want to take advantage of his gifting and his opportunity and the time I have to make the most of it. There's another area of stewardship, I think. Stewardship of our health. God has given each of us a measure of health, I think. And uh, one of the realities, as someone said, there's nothing more sure than death and taxes. Someday I'm going to, the Lord tarries, I'm going to die. Someday I'm going to step off into eternity. No amount of exercise or anything is going to prevent that. Having said that, however, I would like to stay as healthy as I can for as long as I can. I like to appropriately do those things that contribute to my health and my energy and my well-being. One of the things I have in my family is a family history of diabetes. My mother has type 2 diabetes. I have a brother with type 2 diabetes. And uh, there's a propensity to go that way. In my own life right now, I, if I don't pay attention, I could wind up as a type 2 diabetic. So what have I done? I've really put the screws down on my diet. I watch what I eat. I've eliminated many sugars, candy, pop, pie, cake. You can count on one hand the number of donuts I eat in a year. I've cut down on my carbohydrates. I've cut down on those things that are bad for me. And I try to eat good things, salads and fruits, vegetables. And you know what? I feel better for it. I have more energy, more strength. I find myself being able to manage my blood sugar, um, keeping, it, keeping the A1C levels down to just, the last A1C was just, just in the lower just over the normal range, just 1.1 point over. But if I let go and just ate anything I wanted and did anything I wanted, I could very quickly turn into a type 2 diabetic. I don't want to do that. I want to take care of myself. So I exercise. I walk. I watch what I eat. I get enough sleep. I don't panic about it. But I take care of myself. And I often thought about this when I would watch pastors that waddled up into the pulpit to speak about the evils of alcohol and drugs and cigarettes. And I thought to myself when I saw that, I said, you know, they're probably killing themselves quicker by being overweight than by having a cigar once a week. See, we like to talk about the bad things, but the bad things are the things we're not doing. It's the things everybody else is doing. I've had several friends who suffered from extremely ill health for many years, a lot of times due to just bad exercise and eating habits. They didn't take care of themselves. 
They ate the wrong stuff. They became grossly overweight. And they suffered for many years because of ill health. By the way, there's some health issues that you can't help. You, you get cancer. You get some serious disease. And we're not talking about that. But God has given each of us, I think, health and opportunity. And within reason, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to take care of it. I don't want to fill it up with animal fat to where it, I get heart disease. I don't want to drink myself to death where I get liver disease. I don't want to smoke and get lung cancer. I want to take care of myself. I think there's a stewardship, and I've often told the Lord, I'd like to stay as healthy as I can for as long as I can so that I can maximize my effectiveness. It's nothing more than what a soldier does. I mean, if you're a Navy SEAL, you watch what you eat, you exercise. Why? you got to stay in shape so that you can be a SEAL. You get yourself 20, 30 pounds overweight, they're not going to put you out as a SEAL. you got to stay in shape. you got to exercise. So I take care of myself because I want to be a good steward of my physical health. And then, of course, finally, there's the stewardship of money. What are you doing with the resources that God has given you? How have you managed them? God has given each of us a certain amount of money, a certain amount of resources. Some he's given more, others he's given less, but all of us have Resources that God has given us financially. How are we managing them? A lot of times Christians say, I'd like to give to the church, but I can't because all my money is going out in payments. I have two car payments. I have $30,000 in credit card debt. I have a big mortgage. And my question to them is, what are you doing with all of that? What do you, why is it that you're paying all your money out for credit cards? Why do you have two major big car payments? What are you doing with the money that God's given you? I remember listening to one of my lessons from many years ago, and I quoted a statistic on there that the average American is living on 120% of their income. Where's that other 20% coming from? It's debt. I also read a statistic back then that the average person retires still owing about 20 years on their mortgage. Really? Look, I understand that God's not given all of us the same amount of money. I'm not talking about the outliers where you have a financial disaster and, and it, a bankruptcy that you can't help or a major health crisis that puts you in financial bondage. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about everybody else in the middle of the bell curve. What are you doing with it? One of the things that I've tried to do over the years is always try to live on less than I make. Don't spend every nickel you get. Save a little bit. Put a little bit aside. Avoid credit card debt. Um, I do use credit cards. I'm not a Dave Ramsey fanatic and cut up all my credit cards. I use them. But I pay them off every single month. I do not carry balances on a credit card. I use them for convenience, but they're paid off. Live within your means. Don't buy a bigger house than you need. You don't need that new car necessarily. 
You can get good used cars for reasonable prices. Don't go into debt over a car. The average car payment, I think, is somewhere in the, I was trying to think, about $450 to $500 range. If you're making $30,000 a year and you're paying $500 a month on a car payment, that's one-fifth of your income paying for a vehicle. Really? You're in financial bondage. There's nothing better than to not have any debt. I could right now go and pretty much buy any car I wanted for cash. But the cars I have are fine. I don't need a new one. I've got a car that's 10 years old. It runs fine. It's good shape. Why am I going to buy a new one? I, the last new vehicle I bought was a Ford Escape. It's paid for. It's in good shape. I get things from the dealer all the time. Come in. We'll get the latest technology. Only $500 a month for the late. No, I don't need a payment. I'm fine. But what are you doing with your money? And when it comes to money, we don't have, you know, we could talk for hours on this. There's only on four things you can do with money. You can save it, spend it, give it away, or invest it. And I would suggest you need to balance all of those. Be a saver. Don't spend every nickel you get. Learn to be a giver. Be generous. Learn to save for a rainy day. Learn to invest. One of the things that Donna and I did very early on is we began investing. When I was 26 years old, I began investing. In, every, in all my jobs that I've had, I've always put in money into my 401k and 403b. I always invested. And it got to the point where I didn't miss the money. I mean, percentage-wise, it wasn't that great. But I learned to live on not having that. And that has enabled me at this stage of life to retire at 62 and have enough money that I don't need to worry about working. I don't need to be a door greeter at Walmart. I can devote my time to ministry, devote my time to advancing the kingdom, devote my, um, devote my time to helping other people, and devote my time to doing those things that I could never do when I was working. The Lord's enabled me to do that. But how did he enable me to do that? Because over the years, I took the opportunity to manage what he's given me. I haven't thought, you know, about people that reach retirement years and, Lord, you know, I need to retire now, but I don't have any money. Where were you? I thought you were going to take care of me. I often imagine you talking back to them, well, I did, but what did you do with all the money that you earned in life? Be a good steward. And so when you look at all of these, I mean, we could spend a lot more time on all of these, to be honest. But I think we need to expand our definition of stewardship. We need to be a good steward of our time. We only have a finite number of days and hours to us. What are we doing with that? How are we investing it? We need to be a good steward of our opportunities. What has God allowed us to do? to have ability to do and opportunity to do. And then he's given us the talent and the ability to do those things. How well are you doing them? How well are you doing what God has engineered and wired you to do? Are you taking advantage of that? What are you doing with your health? Are you taking advantage, are you taking care of yourself appropriately? 
doesn't mean you can't have a cheeseburger now and then, but if all you eat is cheeseburgers, you're not going to do very well health-wise. Watch what you eat. Watch what you do. Exercise. Stay away from those vices that are harmful to your body. Finally, what are you doing with your money? What are you doing with the resources that God has given you? Because all of these, in essence, are resources. I think someday all of us are going to stand before the Lord and He's going to say, how well did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? How well did you manage all of it? And I don't know about you, but I want to be one that stands before the Lord and He says, you know, Alan, yeah, you could have done better, but you know what? You did a pretty good job. Well done. And that's my perspective.